0: Hello, friends. This week's episode is sponsored by Corda. Something I love about our faith is our connection to the saints, and helping people grow closer to the saints is the whole mission of Corda. Corda is a Catholic small business run by a husband and wife team. Together, they handcraft beautiful coconut wax candles with scents inspired by the saints and the faith. Their fiat candle, for example, is inspired by Our Lady of the Annunciation and it's perfect for springtime. Fresh notes of strawberry symbolize how Mary is both virgin and mother, while the scent of warm acacia wood points to Mary's special role as the new Ark of the Covenant. If you're striving to grow in prayer this Lent, lighting a candle can really help you create a peaceful space in which to stay focused during prayer. Corda has a set specifically for Lent, featuring the Memento Mori candle, with notes of clay, stone, and stillness reminding us of the call to die to self and the Fount of Mercy candle with scents of hyssop and wood, calling to mind Christ's sacrifice and unfathomable love for us. There are so many unique scents to choose from and so much thought and prayer that goes into each and every single one. If you're new to Corda and you're wondering how in the world you'd pick scented candles online, they offer tea light samplers to help you find scents you love. Plus, there's tons of reviews on the website with helpful feedback from other customers. If you'd like to draw closer to the saints and create a place of peace and prayer in your home. Please explore Corda's handcrafted candles at Cordacandles.com. That's C O R D A Candles.com. We hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Well, hello, dear friends, and welcome to season 12 of the Abiding Together podcast. We are so excited to be back with you for another season. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ, and we have people from all over the world on this walk together, and you are most, most welcome. My name is Sister Miriam James, and every week I'm joined by two of my very dearest friends, Michelle Benzinger and Heather Kim, and we speak about what the Lord is doing in our life, the movements of the Holy Spirit, what is breaking our hearts, what is healing us, and where the Lord is leading us to deeper relationship with Him. So wherever you find yourself today, wherever that is, you are most welcome. So grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and welcome home. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Biting Together podcast. And welcome to Lent this Wednesday, ladies. We have a special guest today, but we're about to dive into Lent. What do you think about that? Is your last chance to have king cake if you're in Louisiana? I
0: don't know. It's like, get on it before you. (laughs) I know. You can see everybody's getting in their last little bits. But yes, here we are, Lent, once again ready to dive in excited Mm -hmm. about what we're about to chat about this morning yeah
1: yeah. so if you haven't had a chance to purchase the book uh, we're going to be walking through the book be transformed with the healing power of the sacraments and just before we introduce dr bob who's our guest today and who will intro us for the for the season of lent michelle this was really your idea and i'm wondering if you could really share with the audience of your heart of the treasures of the church and kind of what came to you you know even a recent experience you had of reading bob's book and kind of open our hearts before we introduce him hmm I think we said it in a previous episode. It was my idea, but it was our three collective
2: discernment. But when we took a break this past season and I was the Lord really woke me up in the middle of the night, and I was praying about the podcast and I didn't really want to pray about the podcast because we just decided we were taking a break. So I was thinking, yeah, I don't want to pray for the podcast. And the Lord just really gave me this image of the church as a treasure chest and the riches of the church and like really feeling that like that was the direction that we should go this season. We haven't even begun to explore the riches and the treasure the church has to offer. And so therefore, it was like in the middle of the night, I went back to sleep. We were actually traveling in North Carolina. The next day, my family and I went to this little bitty North Carolina church. And I went to communion and then I knelt down to pray after communion. I looked up and then I remembered my prayer for the middle of the night. And underneath the altar was a treasure chest. And I was like, Mm -hmm. "Okay, Lord, I hear you. I hear you. And so just between our discernment, we really felt like this is the way it was go. And I think it's the way the spirit is moving. I don't think there's an accident that we're doing this. Father Mike Schmitz is doing the year in the catechism. Like I think the scripture and tradition are the two bedrocks of our faith. And I think this this is the way the spirit is moving right now. And he moves collectively, not just individually. And for me personally, like the Lord has really called me back to really daily mass in different times, and different seasons as a mom, you can go or make it work with schedules and stuff. So right now I'm really in a season of going back to daily mass. And I was just telling them, I brought Bob's book with me to mass and I sat down the other day yesterday and I was like, Lord, why are you having me back in this season to mass? I mean, mass is always a good idea. But, and then I picked up the chapter, the next chapter I was supposed to be reading and it was Eucharist and the Eucharist heals the wound of abandonment. And I just started falling, just of lo- losing my father and my grandfather. And I'm like, Lord, you are going to heal. And my foot is like my physical body. I was like, Lord, you are healing my heart with your hearts and you're healing my body with your body. And that's just the power of the sacraments. And so I'm so excited to have Bob as our guest and to really dive into this treasure chest, this Lent of the sacraments.
1: Well, without further ado, we want to introduce the author of the book, Be Transformed, and one of our dearest, most wonderful people in our whole life, Dr. Bob Schutz, who, if you don't know about him, he is the founder of the John Paul II Healing Center. He has written several books, everything from Be Healed to Be Restored to Be Devoted. He was a marriage and family therapist for many, many years and is one of the greatest treasures of the church. So, Father, or Father, <laughs> Dr. Bob, welcome, welcome to the show today. We're glad to have you with us.
3: Thank you Sister Miriam. It's been a couple of years since I've been on with you, but I listened regularly and uh I love this podcast and I know everywhere we go I hear how many people are being touched to it. So it's a, it's a real honor and gift to be with y'all mm. and to do this. As I mentioned before, this is uh Be Transformed is one of the books that's probably been least read of all of them. I was I was d- delighted because I I think of what you described it's part of the sacraments everybody takes for granted, but it's part of the treasure trust of the church that, you know, really in, in writing the book, I came into a greater appreciation for, but also in my life over time. It's really the, you know, we talk about healing as an encounter with Jesus, and the, you know, the Catechism talks about the sacraments being the encounter with the mm-hmm. divine physician. You know that it, it's 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 the most direct encounter we have is through the sacraments, and so it, it's an obvious connection between healing and the sacraments. And so I'm excited that we're going to unpack that and mm-hmm. share some yeah. of that.
1: So for our overview, for our scripture passage for our our episode today, we're going to use Second Corinthians chapter three, verse eighteen where St. Paul says all of us gazing with unveiled faces on the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, which I know is a favorite uh, for Dr. Bob to talk about. And also the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1127, says celebrated worthily in faith, the sacraments confer the grace that they signify. They are efficacious because in them Christ himself is at work. And there's much more to that paragraph, but we want to talk about the efficaciousness of it and the sacraments. literally confer what they signify. So maybe Heather, do you want to just kind of kick us off here and you know what? Yeah, what what kind of stirs your heart and maybe as we enter into dialogue with Bob about this whole journey?
0: Yeah, you know, just one thing that's ringing in my ears right now as I was reading last night, just in preparation, was that Jesus wants to go below the surface that he really wants to go into the heart and that often we want to stay on the surface. And I think that for most of us, that's our, that's how we approach the sacraments is just like, we're, we're there, we're showing up or we're doing our thing or we're trying to, you know, go to confession, reconcile with God, you know, whatever it might be. But we often don't actually go really deep into the heart. And and so I, I just love that we have this opportunity to at least talk about it, to get our mind in, in the right frame to be able to receive more of what God is offering us, because I think yeah like our level of openness mm-hmm. matters as we approach the sacraments and and that's what i'm really excited about because it's true it's not just something we do it's not just like a habit that we have to get into but it's an encounter with the person of christ who desires to heal and restore us on the deepest level and so yeah so bob i'm just wondering like for you i, I would love to hear just one of your own stories of like a heart encounter with the sacraments just as we just as we start off if that would be okay
3: You know, the reason why I start the book with the story of the Pharisees and tax collectors and because I could really identify with the Pharisees, the Simon of just Jesus being in their presence, which is what happens at the sacraments, and us kind of being oblivious to it. It's the place where our hearts are hardened and we're in pride. And really, my awakening came to the power of the sacraments through Christ Renews His Parish, which I talk about and Be Healed. And i wasn't aware of the connection between me hearing a teenager talk about the eucharist and then going to confession for the first time in a while and the prayer experience i talk about several hours later it took me a long time to see that connection that it was the grace of the sacraments that opened me up into that encounter it was like a light switch going on from dark to light but it wasn't until my brother dave who had been a heroin addict you know, so here I was a professional teacher and therapist and married and family. My brother was single and had a, had a child out of wedlock. And, you know, he was much more like the woman in that story of Simon, the Pharisee, and the woman meeting Jesus. And when he came off of the weekend and he told me what happened after his confession and receiving communion, I was just absolutely blown away. I saw the radiance in his face he was literally a changed man. And it it did two things. It was such a joy to be able to see and have my brother back and to see the power of the sacraments so visibly evident in his healing. Later on, the sacrament of anointing of the sick was also a powerful experience with him. But it was also a a mirror to me of being able to look at why do I not have that same kind of transformation every time I receive the sacraments? And it had a lot to do and has a lot to do with pride and the condition of my heart. And and so that that has created a hunger for me. A hunger to understand the sacraments, a hunger to to receive them with with a, a proper disposition of the heart. You know, I I can't point to a moment like that other than that experience on Chirp that was as dramatic as what I saw in my brother Dave, but you know, my dad also, he just in the same time period, he had some priest walk in and hear his confession in a bar when he was, you know, going through his second divorce. And uh, he came back to the church. He became a different man after that. And mm-hmm. every, every, you know, sister knows this, every conference we go to, we have the priest tell us, that was the best confession I've ever heard somebody <laughs> give. And it's just, as people get to the depths of their hearts, it's, it's such a, an amazing transformation. The other thing we talk about a lot on the conferences is, you know, we have Mass at every conference, like every priest conference. So oftentimes us as the the one putting on the conference and those receiving the conference, we go into sacramental mode when we move from the healing conference to Mass. Mm-hmm. It's like there's this disconnect. Mm-hmm. And so that one of the things that, that we say all the time is, Bring everything that you're walking through right now, this morning, through the teaching, through the journaling, through the reflecting, through your prayer experiences, into the Mass, because this is the place where the greatest healing is going to occur. You know, bring it into the confession. And so I I see encounters all over the place with the sacraments and hear about them, but my heart hungers for deeper and deeper that's my prayer every morning when I go to mass jesus help me to love you more and experience your love more in this sacrament in this in this encounter with you and not just do it because i come here every morning and this is what my routine is it's it's so easy when we get into a routine to mm-hmm. to miss the treasure that's beautiful
0: yeah i remember having a similar prayer when i was young it just like praying that the Mass would come alive for me, praying that the Holy Spirit would come and like make the Mass like. Just help just like open my eyes, you know, and open my ears to hear it. And and that that happened, you know. Like it, it's amazing. I was like, wow, God, here's our prayers. Isn't that amazing? It seems so obvious. But when it happens, sometimes it's shocking because of how different it is. And I remember going back to the same parish, which as a kid I thought was super boring and God wasn't doing anything and all of those things. And I went back and to the same place and nothing had changed except for me and my heart mm. and and my mind and my ears and all, all of that. And it was like a completely different experience. It's like the scriptures started being read and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is like what's going on in my life right now. Like God's talking right to me. And I'm like looking around at everybody like, do you hear what's happening right now? Yeah. Yeah. It was just like that dramatic, you know? And I'm like, there's, yeah, there's so much power in just asking, like you're saying, like the humility of which you're sitting before God saying, I want to know you. I want to love you more. Like help me to see and experience and, you know, take take maybe like the hardness of heart or the fog or whatever it might be that's blocking our experience of who you are.
3: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, every time I go to confession, I confess the first sin that I confess is self-righteousness. And it's because of that so deeply embedded Mm -hmm. in my heart, Mm. you know, that, that I want to make myself right rather than receive his mercy and his love. Mm. And I I wish it was enough just to say, okay, I recognize it now. I'm free of it, but it, it isn't. Uh, And I think it gets in the way of, all the sacraments because the sacraments are pure gift and they're an outpouring of his mercy you know it's it's an outpouring of his love and his mercy and the place of my heart that isn't able to fully receive and rejoice in that is so grievous and so, you know, in a, in a sense, we write for ourselves as well as for everybody else, you know. Definitely.
2: And I love the beginning quote, and it's one of the beginning quotes in the introduction that Sister began to read at the beginning. It goes on to say, it says, like, this is in the Catechism, I think it is, what, uh, 1127, it says, "...the father always hears the prayers of his son's church, which in this epiclesis of each sacrament expresses her faith in the power of the Spirit." As fire transforms into itself everything it touches, so the Holy Spirit transforms into the divine life, whatever it is subjected to His power. And that whole idea of transformation, and I've been thinking and praying with it, and Sister and I were together at the beginning of December, and we had multiple conversations about it when we were talking about like one of the big waves right now in healing is somatic healing, you know, with soma, which means body, which I'm all for. I'm a really big fan of it all that kind of stuff and it's brought, been very fruitful in my own life. But for me I was really praying about it. It's like for I feel like and I think I know you all too like the Catholic Church we actually should be on the forefront of this. Mm-hmm. Because if the eucharistic is a Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith, and it is the body of Christ, soma, somatic, then the sacraments should be on the forefront of how we teach them, how we experience them, how we move in them, and the power of the Holy Spirit healing this movement of the church. You know, because I always like, Satan is always, you know, he's an imitator. He's a duplicator. He is not an originator. So the original somatic healing came from Christ and the church did not come outside of the walls of the church. Mm-hmm. So... I I love even how you brought, how like each sacrament heals a different wound in us, you know? So I would just love to hear your heart on all of that.
3: Yeah. uh, Lots of thoughts. So let me see if I can put them in order. Yeah. I think the fact that the sacraments are tangible bodily expressions of love, you know, let's take Mm -hmm. the sacrament of marriage and what's, what's the expression of those vows is the intimate exchange of love between a man and a woman. It's Bodily, physical healing—it's somatic healing—that mm. takes place if there's love present there. If Jesus is in the middle of that, when a priest puts his hand and blesses somebody, or he just even blesses from the, from the church, it's it's a physical act. The the body of Christ is a physical act. Sacrament of baptism—you know—they're they're physical acts, but they're they're physical acts that communicate a spiritual reality. And so much of our world, we live in that separation of the physical and the spiritual. And and so we don't notice, we don't recognize the spiritual. You know, to take a step back. I, I, this was really important to me. I, Pope Benedict XVI, in uh, one of his books, I think it was Benedictus, made a statement. He says, it's too narrow to look at the sacraments as only our personal healing. Mm-hmm. They're the healing of society. They're the healing of all of our relationships. And, you know, that that's really what inspired the writing of the book is, okay, I want to understand that. You know, it's like what happened at the Reformation, and I know we have a lot of listeners who are not Catholic, and all seven sacraments are present in some form in all of the churches. As I've been teaching all the different churches, all seven sacraments are present in all the churches. They just aren't called sacraments, and they don't have the same level of, of understanding or tangible. But spiritually, because they're all from Scripture, And it's one of the joys that I have is to help uh, non-Catholics see, you know, I would teach 40, 50 different denominations in the school that I was teaching, to get to see the connections here. And the reality is, is we go back to the fall, and there's one wound that happened, one sin that happened at the fall. It was the sin of rebellion, turning away from God, and listening to the voice of the enemy rather than to God. And there was one wound that happened at the fall. It was the break of our relationship with God. And out of that one sin, we can talk about the seven deadly sins. And out of that one wound, we can talk about the seven deadly wounds. But they're like a fasten of a diamond. You know, they're not seven different wounds. They're seven expressions of one wound, which is broken communion. And what the sacraments are, are the ways that God, through Jesus, gave us a means to repair not only the sin, but the wound Okay, so when we talk about how the seven sacraments heal the seven wounds, you know, Jesus is the one sacrament that heals the one wound, and yet he does it in such a particular way in all the places of our life, you know, all the stages and and aspects of our life, all the relationships of our life. And so all of the sacraments are meant for a different relationship, to restore relationship that has been broken by that core relationship with Jesus. And to me, that was the excitement of of really doing the research and writing the book. And, and it's just, I love the big picture and then how it applies then to our individual lives, because we live in that big picture. You know, we, if we don't see that big picture, we can't see the significance mm-hmm. of our lives.
1: Oh, there's so much there, Bob, and what you're sharing. And you you write in the book you say the sacraments was what you're saying now the sacraments are god's chosen remedy Mm -hmm. for healing our deadly wounds and infusing our souls with Christ's resurrection life and you have a beautiful graph in the book about and i just would love to hear as you did research and how you were able to pair up the wounds with the sacraments and the healing and like you said it's not just one thing it's not like a like a little silo where this only heals this but it's it overflows because I, I think, you know, all of us, like you said so beautifully in your own, so humbly in your own story, all of us have places or we also know people that we're like, we go to mass and we, our hearts are still hard. Or like we, we've been going to confession for something and we still struggle with, it's like, so it's like, what's the, so I think sometimes people either use it as a superstitious ritual or kind of, it's, I do this because I'm Catholic. I just would love to hear kind of as we de- dive into this of like, how do we take that graph and really apply those and allow them to really bear fruit in our life so it doesn't become empty or we just leave it all together saying, well, that didn't really work for me.
3: You know, You know the catechism repeatedly says the sacraments are efficacious in themselves because it's Jesus at work, and yet it's the disposition of our hearts, right? And so uh, there's a catechism that I know we love to quote when we're talking about forgiveness, and it's, in the back of the Catechism, it says our hearts are indivisible. We can't love mm-hmm. God and hate our neighbor. We can't hold resentment towards somebody or towards ourself and receive love. That we can't judge somebody and at the same time receive mercy. Right? That, that our hearts are, are made for love. Our hearts are made for an encounter, first and foremost, with the love of God and his mercy and his compassion and his healing and when we go with a hardened heart or we go just through the rituals without engaging our heart we then make no use and I, I don't even like that word use we we have no disposition to receive the treasure that's there that's where the healing needs to take place you know the healing needs to take place so that our hearts we, the very sacrament that's meant for our healing uh, can be resisted, just like we can resist the Word of God if we're just going through the motions. And, you know, we all know that experience of reading scriptures and it's just not mm-hmm. penetrating because our minds are somewhere else or our hearts are are not in a place to receive it. And same thing with the sacraments. We can We can go through and think about a thousand different things rather than be present to the grace of the sacrament. I think the other thing with the sacraments is we tend in the Catholic world to think about the sacraments as events that happen, Like I was baptized, I was married, I was ordained, I was confirmed. And that's true because there are moments, there are objective moments where grace was given. But they're not events only, they're doorways into a life, right? They're doorways into a relationship. And so our baptism happened back then, but it's Mm -hmm. lived every day. Our confirmation is lived every day. When we celebrate the sacrament of reconciliation, it's not just the event of our sins being forgiven, but we live as ministers of reconciliation every day, giving and receiving reconciliation. Marriage wasn't just the day that I got married, but it's today that I live out the sacrament of my marriage. Same with holy orders. The anointing of the six is is, is a healing, and they're all healing relationships. They're all healing relationships. Our relationship with God and our relationship with other people and and without them, again, going back to the Reformation, Luther only wanted to take away a little bit of the authority of the pope that was his objective at the end of the Reformation. All seven of the sacraments were attacked in some way, you know starting with holy orders, and as that was attacked. What we saw in society was this chaos what we saw in christian body was chaos uh, and confusion and, and christians killing each other over our belief about whether jesus is present in the eucharist or not whether a priest could stand in the place of jesus and forgive sin we were killing each other S- society went into chaos and it was all over the sacraments don't you think the enemy hates the unity of the church and the reality of the sacraments and the communion that Jesus came to establish. And and again, it's not, to, it's not to speak ill of any person in any background, but it's like we're battling not against each other, but against the principalities and powers that are trying to destroy the very fabric of the church and the very fabric of society. And, and so the sacraments are that big and that little, you know, that personal mm-hmm. to each of us.
0: Yeah, I think one of the places that we see that aspect that you're talking about, where we can often come to the sacraments and there's grace being poured out and we might not be able to receive it, is often, this is where I see it most visibly, is in confession. Yeah. Right? Where it's like, well, I've been going to confession. We hear this a lot from people. I've said this, you know, but I've been going to confession and still, you know, like, nothing's changing in my life. And and from what you're saying and what I'm hearing and reading and all of that is like, the disposition of our heart really, really matters. You know, and then what's our, our capacity to receive the grace. It's not that, that God's withholding or it's not that there's like some other barrier. It's actually just what's within our own hearts. And sometimes that's not something we're choosing outright, but it can be these underlying dynamics that are going on. And And I would love to just hear a little bit more about that, like maybe that threefold transformation process that you're talking about with the acronym HIM
3: you mentioned in the book, yeah. Yeah, I use that as kind of the organizing framework for the book, that every sacrament, and well, let me take a step back. For those who are Catholic listeners, we recognize that at the the moment of the doxology, the priest lifts up the host, the presence, the body of Christ, and says, in him, with him, through him. And, you know, many of us are familiar with the uh, Institute for Priestly Formation teaching about RIM, Relationship, Identity, Mission. And so that was really part of the inspiration is, the doxology and that statement. And I really realized that healing is is a healing of relationship. And it brings us into identity, brings us into mission. And that as I was reflecting on all this, that every sacrament and praying with it, every sacrament brings a particular kind of healing, which transforms our identity in a particular way, which brings about a mission, right? That that every sacrament has a mission inherent in it. So let's take baptism, for example. What is the healing of baptism? You know, I talk about healing the wound of rejection. Well, what does that mean? Well, when we're cut off from God, God didn't reject us. He didn't reject Adam and Eve. He didn't reject Cain after he sinned, right? But as soon as Adam and Eve rejected God, not totally, but partially, they began to reject each other. Hmm. And then their children began to reject each other to the point of murder. You know, mm-hmm. and you see the degeneration that happens down the line. So what's the sacrament of baptism? The sacrament of baptism is we come into our identity no longer as separated and feeling outside of God's love. We come into the knowledge and experience, not just, not just the words that God loves us, but the grace to become the children of God right i mean that literally that transformation happens and because it's invisible we don't know but it's an but it's an eternal mark of being beloved sons and beloved daughters so that healing brings us into an identity and that identity gives us a mission because grace received has to be grace given otherwise it dies right and so the mission that every one of us has when we're baptized is to become a conduit of the father's love to everybody around us And so how is rejection healed in us? The deeper we go in the grace of that identity, the deeper we go in the knowledge and the experience, the real live experience of God's love for us, that we are truly beloved. St. Paul, St. John, all the way through the scriptures, they use that phrase, my beloved, my beloved brothers and sisters, my beloved children. You know, we are the beloved. Just as Jesus was the beloved in his baptism, we become the beloved in our baptism and it's an indelible mark, no matter how we feel about ourselves, no matter whether we've had a bad or a good day, it's a reality. And it's a reality that's eternally marked in us. But out of that reality, we naturally move into a mission. That When I, when I begin to discover the Father's love for me and the grace that lives inside of me, that grace naturally pours out of me as I love mm-hmm. the people around me and so the father's love for me becomes the father's love for you and for you and for you right and and that mm-hmm. becomes a mission in life that becomes the purpose of my life uh, and every sacrament has that every sacrament has a healing aspect you know let's take marriage for example how does how does marriage heal a single person a person who's never been married or how does marriage the sacrament of marriage heal a uh, sister Miriam who's who's consecrated to the Lord in marriage. Because it clarifies what relationships are. First of all, all of us grow up in families, or if we haven't grown up in families, we've grown up in orphanages, right? And and to the extent to which our mother and father love each other and the extent to which they love God is the level of our security. When we lack that, we lack security, we lack we end up in fear we end up with a wound of fear. And all of us know that experience of of the places where love is missing, where committed, faithful love is missing. The love that St. Paul talks about is the love of Christ with the church. That's really the sacrament. That's the great sacrament that Paul talks about, is the love of Christ with the church, that marriage is to image. But for every single person, it orders our sexuality. I'm now in that category again, right? Of somebody who's been married and now is a widower. I'm now back as a, as a person not married. It orders my sexuality, and it shows me what intimacy looks like for a man with a woman and a man with a man. And in my marriage, it ordered my sexuality in relation to my wife. What does it mean to love like Christ loves the church? To love my wife that way. For sister as a bride of christ what does it mean to image that kind of marriage relationship right and so we have a healing which is dealing with all of those places whether it's within marriage or within past relationships where we've crossed over boundaries you know the sacrament heals all that by rightly ordering our passions our desires our intimacy and then it heals the wounds that we've experienced from our parents marriage because we see the model of it in Christ's love for the church. And not only the model, but the grace to love that way. And so it gives us an identity, and it gives us a mission. And all of us share in that mission. All of us share in the mission of all seven sacraments, even though in a particular way uh, the priest uh, or the deacon is the only one ordained. But all of us share in that mission of bringing order back into the world, mm-hmm. right? Holy mm-hmm. order of sharing in holy order. Mm
2: I think that's beautiful. I think what you were even saying at the very beginning, like communio or communion is the deepest identity of the church. So each one of these sacraments are like the, just these beautiful gifts to bring us in fuller and deeper communion. And it is with our posture is how we receive them. You know, we have to see what is in our hands. We have to empty our hands to receive the fullness of these graces. We have to cleanse our hands to see where the fullness of these graces. I love how you ended chapter one, like even to create a posture of receptivity, but the beauty of that, you do this beautiful repentance of judgment. And I was like, oh, dang, just throw that down there right at the beginning. Let's not like mince words. Okay. <laughs> and then I was thinking, oh, like, I don't know if I really struggle with the sin of judgment. And then I read it. I'm like, oh, I really struggle with this. sin." Of, like, okay. You know? And so just walk us through that. Like, why do you begin, like you said, it's your story, the, like, but it's all of our stories. It's all of our stories. Mm-hmm. But beginning with that, and that that's like the beginning of this journey It's beginning with repentance because, you know, I always like to say repentance leads us to revival and, you know, it revives us.
3: Yes. And, you know, first of all, start off with judgment is the very blockage to mercy. Mm-hmm. If mercy is God's heart of love for us in all of our suffering and all of our woundedness and all of our sin, then it's judgment that becomes the impermeable place of receptivity. Right? It's why Jesus is constantly challenging the Pharisees and the scribes, because in their self-righteousness, they were looking down on everybody else. And I wasn't overt with my dad and my mom and my brother and and my brothers and sisters for their sins. I wasn't overtly standing in judgment, but there were judgments in my heart. Right? There was a judgment towards my brother Dave that somehow I was better than him because I wasn't doing what he was doing. Okay? I wouldn't have said that out loud. I didn't even have total consciousness of it. But when I watched God's grace in his life and his humility in my dad's humility and in the, in their brokenness, it broke something in me. It's like, just like the Simon the Pharisee with the woman, you know, who received the grace in that room? You know, Simon the Pharisee had all the status and all the titles and all the positions and all the public reverence. But who who loved Jesus. Who encountered him? It was the woman. The woman that Simon wanted to scorn and was was so deeply offended. It's that place in our life, and it's not just with other people, it's with ourselves. It's the judgment and contempt we have for ourselves. Nice. You know, and so we talk about the sacrament of reconciliation. Why do we have a hard time receiving the grace? Because we're still judging ourselves even after we leave, mm. right? We're still in shame and self-contempt. You know, it's just that that recognition in my life that, you know, as I read that story of Simon and the woman and the Pharisee, I'm more like Simon than I am about, I am that woman. And that's sobering. Wow. You know, and most of us at church are more like Simon. You know, if we had that woman walk in and throw herself in the middle of mass at the foot of a priest, we'd be aghast, right? You know, th- this town prostitute who has all these demons and and she throws herself and she makes a scene, we would all be in judgment where most of us would be. And you're messing up the the mass. You're messing up the order. You're messing up this place. You don't belong here. That wasn't Jesus. That wasn't his heart. And so I have to look at myself and say, is my heart more like Simon? Is it more like the woman? Is it more like Jesus? And there's places in which it's like all of them. But I have to own those places where it's more like Simon, and recognize that this is what's blocking me from receiving from Jesus, and becoming Jesus to others.
1: Gosh, well, I, Bob, as I listen to you speak and share these things, I mean, I am just—I can just imagine like just lights going on in the hearts of all of our listeners, like, what? How come I? Nobody ever told me this. Like, this is amazing, you know. And also the places of our own heart. Just listening to you, I—I I, I see you all the time, and I've worked with you. I'm like, you're, it's challenging my heart. I'm like, Oh, Jesus. Like, okay. I see that. You know, you're just like, Oh, okay. You know, and it's just so wonderful. Like it's, it's so beautiful. And I, I'm wondering just kind of, as we draw our conversation to a close here, maybe Heather, Michelle, you want to jump in any last words, but, and maybe Bob, you could pray for us. Maybe we could just have a time of prayer and you could just pray for us. But what would you say to listeners as they begin this journey of of Lent and maybe for the first time with the sacraments or in renewed awareness or just even maybe some trepidation or fear they might be afraid of as they're like, oh, geez, I don't know if I really, I'm much more comfortable staying on the surface. Like, what would you say to people as we dive into Lent and, and we take these these words to heart?
3: Hmm. Uh, there's used to be a commercial for Fram Auto Parts and it says, pay mm-hmm. me now or pay me later. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever we don't face now, we're going to face later, sometimes without our will being involved, you know, without us choosing to face it. And, you know, that again it's a it's a quote from Father Jacques Philippe. It's it's the fear of suffering that is mm-hmm. the thing we should fear. It's the fear of entering into these places. And and again we all have that fear, but it's walking into it and choosing that. And mm-hmm. you know, I talk about that in relation to Margie. When I walked into and faced the suffering with her, and was my own suffering with her, it was a lot less frightening as I chose to enter into it than it was when I thought about it and, and pushed away from it. it. It's really the fear that we have that is the enemy, not what we have to walk through. And so just to really choose to enter in, and again, it's it's as much joy as it is fear. I mean, it's more joy than it is fear. It's It's the joy of being able to receive and to be open and to You know, experience our vulnerability before the Lord, our humility before the Lord, which is the reason why we hold on to all of our control and judgments and everything is because we fear that.
0: Mm -hmm. I was thinking about um, fear in regards to what you mentioned earlier about the wanting to be right. You know, you mentioned something about that earlier and I was like, oh, this goes deep in my family and in my own (laughs) heart. Like, if I'm right, then Mm -hmm. I have value. Like it goes down to mm-hmm. a deep place of like, and if I'm not right, it taps on this fear that I'm not valuable or that I'm bad or that I'm wrong or that I'm going to be rejected in some way if I'm wrong. And we have to invite the Holy Spirit into these places to illumine these parts because it's impossible for us to see all, all of those places. Like our our ability to see ourselves is is hindered greatly for a lot of, a lot of reasons. And so I personally am just sitting here going, I I need to press past my fear, to invite the Holy Spirit, who is love, to come and illuminate these parts of my heart. And that's my encouragement for our listeners as we begin this journey of Lent. Would we be willing to invite the Holy Spirit and to remind ourselves of the truth that He is love? He doesn't come to condemn, shame, reject, mm-hmm. you know, say you're bad or whatever it might be, but, mm-hmm. but to love us into a deeper communion with God, that that's the goal, really. It's not to just like face our, our greatest fears and our horrible places and muddy places within our hearts, but it's for communion, that that's the goal. It's really communion with God. And so, can we welcome the illuminating grace of the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts into these places and maybe uh, press into those places of fear that leads, that will lead to freedom? It will. That's the promise, you know, and that, that's a promise I'm going to just hang on to this Lent in a particular way.
2: Yeah, I've been thinking about, I saw an excerpt yesterday on Michelangelo's painting of Adam and God in the Sistine Chapel, and I had heard it before, but I had forgotten about it, where God is reaching his finger out, and the Father is, and then Adam is reaching his finger out, but I forgot that they don't touch because Adam's finger is bent. But the, uh, the father's finger is straight, right? like fully extended, ready out, but Adam's is bent and they don't touch. And the person was saying, because the Lord allowed free will. So it's whether our responsibility, whether we want to extend the finger or not. And it was so funny this morning, we were up really late for soc- playoff soccer games, high school soccer games last night. And I was thinking about, I got up early for mass. And I was thinking I could sleep half an hour more if I didn't do mass this morning. And I thought about that painting. And I thought, no, I'm going to extend my finger because I want to touch God, mm. you know, and I was thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I want to touch mm-hmm. God. I want to extend that finger. And just, it's like just coming closer and leaning in to just a little bit more and just really allowing the Lord. I think this Lent is if we don't feel like we have the desire, pray for the desire, like ask for the desire. If we don't feel like we're hungry for the Lord, mm-hmm. ask for the hunger, just to ask him and to lean in and just come a little bit closer to touch because he's fully extended waiting for us. So all we need to
1: do is just extend our finger to touch him. Yeah, I think just listening and just hearing the Holy Spirit and just seeing the movements in my own heart, the thing that Jesus keeps coming to ask me is do you want to be well? Mm-hmm. And I and that's what Lent is, is a journey of intimacy with Christ. Of the Lord's not forcing us, he's not berating us. He's he's just simply inviting us into his own beautiful life. Do you want do you want to be well? And some places I do and some places I don't, because <laughs> I'm, I'm, like you're both saying, all of you are saying very humbly, like I'd rather choose my own way or I don't know what's going to happen here. If I really let Lord down to the roots, like what's going to happen? But just the gentle kindness of the Lord saying, you know, my beloved, do you want to be well? Do you want to? Because I want that for you. I want you here with me. And I there's nothing I won't do to bring you to wholeness and healing in my love. You know, so I think holding on to that continued invitation throughout Lent when things get hard. Of like, do you want to do? Would you like to be well? Because I, I would love that for you. So, yeah, I think this is going to be really fruitful. I can't wait. I can't wait to listen to the feedback for our listeners and just journey together all over the world together in this place of a deeper understanding. So, so yeah, maybe before we go into our one things, Bob, would you like to just you know lead us in a prayer and and we'll go from there?
3: Yeah, if I can preface it with sure. my word for the year that I was inspired <laughs> by all of you. Uh, my mm. word was light. And so as you were talking, Mm. Heather, about being enlightened, as I had my spiritual director, uh, your spiritual director, sister, pray light, light, light over me. That Mm. came back to me. And, you know, it's uh, an enlightening. Jesus is the light. We're called to be the light of the world. That's what the sacraments give us the grace to be the light of the world. It brings us enlightened minds and lightened hearts. And uh, that's my prayer for everybody. Father, I just ask that you would pour out through our sacramental receptions the light who is Christ. Enlighten our minds as we go through the study of this Lent. Enlighten us to the incredible graces that are present in the sacrament. Enlighten us in the areas of our minds and hearts that resist the outpouring of your grace, the encounter with you. Lord, enlighten us to the hunger that we have for communion and the ways we've taken that to the wrong places, that places that haven't satisfied. Lighten our hearts of the burdens that we carry because you care for us. Lord, pour out your light, pour out your light as we study, as we pray, and as we receive. I ask all this in and through Jesus. Amen. 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 In the name of Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you so much. Oh, can't wait! Can't wait! Can't wait! Can't
0: wait! I know there were several times in this um, episode that I just was like forgot that I was supposed to ask a question. I was just like listen, I was like, just keep <laughs> I talking.
1: I
2: know. Like, can you be with us every week? You could like be our fourth person of inviting together. Yeah. <laughs> I was like taking copious notes, like as I was writing. Here we go. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Oh, thank you, Doctor yeah. Bob. Thank you so much. Yes, it's it's thank a good you. Gift, yeah. gift for me. Yeah.
1: Well, Michelle, do you want to share your one thing as we dive into Lent with our audience here? My one thing is a recipe ha
2: ha ha of a, a soup recipe Ooh. and it's a really simple like white chicken chili recipe that I use a lot and I've used it here before but I've doctored it up a little so I will post that I've changed a couple of things about around <laughs> and done all that so I will post that recipe you know
1: mm-hmm. just curiosity, just out of curiosity Michelle because people make it without sh- chicken if they wanted to do like a Friday. Soup, could they do
0: fish or could they do like lentil or even tilapia? Actually,
2: I'll
1: put that into it also. It's really, really good. Mm. Yep. Come on, girl. Come on. She's getting fancy over there. (laughs) I know, look at her.
0: (laughs) Heather, what about you, friend? So my one thing is a Lenten playlist that I created called Mm -hmm. Songs in the Desert. And uh, it's the same playlist from last year titled, but I always switch things around. So you can check that out in the show notes. And hopefully it will bless you this Lent, just songs that will help you worship a little little deeper.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Bob, what about you? What is your one thing for our listeners? Uh, I'm going to
3: take Michelle's and two one thing. <laughs> Good for here. you,
1: Bob. Good for you. <laughs> You're a listener. You listen. The first uh-huh. one is a
3: book in a ministry by Andrew Comiskey. It's, it's just came out. It's called Rediscovering Our Lost Fullness. And Andrew and his team are going to be uh, offering a course at the Theology of the Body Institute. They have a ministry uh, called Desert Streams, Living Waters and Desert Streams. But This book is really beautiful in the way that it talks about restoring the integration. He just says, you know, what he's walked through in his life and what he helps other people walk through. He just has a a beautiful depth. So I want the church to discover his work. The other is, uh, you know, Sister knows this, but we're starting a publishing company, and our first publication is going to be a children's book. We're venturing Mm. out, and my daughter Carrie wrote a children's book, about the identity Mm. of a woman, of a girl, uh, and becoming beloved. And so it's not out yet, and I don't have a title, uh, but it'll be out sometime this year. And uh, Mm. I think we're going to have it as a coloring book and also as a book with paying a lot of money for the artist to do a beautiful job with it and hopefully can touch a lot of hearts. Oh,
0: I love that. Wow. So people can find that on your JP2 Healing website? Is that correct? Probably that,
3: yeah. And we're also going to have our own publishing oh, website, but it's exciting. not up yet. That's yeah. exciting. So maybe maybe each of you at some point can publish mm-hmm. through yeah. us.
1: There you go. Well, you never know. You never know. Although,
3: although my editors at Ave Maria are going to be <laughs> upset with me for saying that. Name.
1: <laughs> well, it's all about the good news. It's all about the good news. Uh, my one thing for the week is uh, – a lot of people know all of us do ministry together, the four of us here. And then I do a lot of work with Bob and we're going to actually, if you're listening this week and you're really desiring to go deeper in your healing, we're actually going to hold a virtual healing, the whole person at the end of March. And so this is a chance for you to, you don't have to go anywhere, you don't have to leave the comfort of your own home, but you can dive into the teachings of healing the whole person and you'll have live one-on-ones with Bob and I and things like that. And so if you're interested in maybe doing something like that toward the end of March, we would love to invite you. So that will be march 27th to the 31st and you can find out more information on the john paul ii healing center website it's jpi healing and that is a virtual healing the whole person and we would just we would just love to have you on the journey maybe that's the first time you've ever thought of anything like that uh it's a really easy entrance into uh, god's deeper love for you so we'd love to have you there yeah Well, dear friends, Dr. Bob, thank you so much. Gosh, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for blessing us with um, just all the years of hidden sacrifice and and love. We're so grateful to you. And listeners, here we go. We're going to be on the journey together. We're going to be walking through this book with you. So check out the website, check out our social media accounts for the week-by-week distribution of how we're going to walk through the book together. We would love your input. We'd love to hear your comments. And until next week, we will be abiding together. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend and leave us a review? We encourage you to head over to our website, abidingtogetherpodcast.com, where you can find all the show notes, links to our one things, group discussion questions for each episode, and beautiful coffee mugs, t-shirts, journals, and prints in our shop. There you can also subscribe to receive our weekly email with links to each new episode and all of the content. We'd love to connect on social media and invite you to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, so you can catch inspiring reflections every day. You're also welcome to join our private Facebook group and dive deeper into discussions with our fellow listeners. If the podcast has blessed you, would you prayerfully consider financially supporting us? The Body Together podcast is only available due to the generous support of our listeners. There are significant costs associated with creating this content, such as tech support, design, website, equipment, and hired staff that we need to be able to continue offering great content. Abiding Together is a nonprofit 501c3, and all donations are tax deductible. You can make donations of any amount through the Patreon website, or you can send us a check directly if that's easier for you. If you donate $15 or more per month on our Patreon page, you become a tribe member, and you will receive bonus content every month, such as recipes, music playlists, downloadable prints, and more. You can find all the information at patreon.com slash Abiding Together Podcast. Thank you so much, and God bless you